Welcome to the Wittenberg Hour. The Collect for Mondays from the Treasury of Daily Prayer says, Have mercy on our people and country. Let the youth be brought up in discipline and in a right knowledge of you, so that they may recognize your law and the way of your salvation. Give constancy and loyalty to all pious teachers. Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Hour, where we explore big questions and discuss that which endures by means of that which has endured that scholars may endure. My name is Jocelyn Benson, and I serve as head teacher of Wittenberg Academy. Why classical? Why Lutheran? Why online? Why Wittenberg Academy? Welcome back to the Wittenberg Hour for our second academic year of podcasting and Wittenberg Academy's 10th academic year. We will be celebrating this milestone all year as we praise God for 10 years of serving God's people through online Lutheran education. Joining me today on the Wittenberg Hour is Miss Grace Reps. Miss Reps serves as executive assistant at Wittenberg Academy and lives day in and day out behind the scenes at Wittenberg Academy. Okay, Grace, anytime you reach a milestone, it is opportunity for reflection and remembrance. We have put together a list of quote unquote behind the scenes sorts of questions that might intrigue our listeners. That's right. I have the question, so I'll begin the interrogation. Just kidding. Let's give our listeners some insight into the nuts and bolts of Wittenberg Academy. Phew. Okay, good. Interrogation sounds a bit too intense for the first week of school. Okay, here's the first question. How has Wittenberg Academy changed technologically over the years? Great question. So I assume that you are referring to the fact or you're not referring to the fact that 10 years ago I was using a flip phone and now I'm using a smartphone. When Wittenberg Academy first began, we just were an asynchronous school, meaning not live. Everything was pre-recorded. Scholars interacted through discussion boards and there wasn't the live chat component that scholars and teachers experience today. And that comes from, that decision came from the fact that synchronous and asynchronous online learning accomplishes different things. So for example, synchronous interaction on the internet is mainly social, right? So you have, Uh, folks interacting through live texting, live uh, video conference, live audio interaction that really fills social needs. And so when it comes to teaching and learning, the social part of things, despite what people might think, is actually secondary, right? So it's not that it's not needful, but it's certainly secondary. And so if academics are your, are your priority, then the online experience is going to be asynchronous. So let me, let me approach that a little bit differently uh, in terms of looking at 
what is the priority or what is the function, right? So asynchronous delivery, your function is the conveyance of information, of material, of something that you need to get to someone else. And so this is really a, a strong suit of online learning in that the methods of delivery through the internet in an asynchronous format really lend themselves well to teaching and learning. So you have pre-recorded lectures that scholars can pause and go back. You know, if you were in a live classroom, you might raise your hand and ask a question. And chances are, a, a good pre-recorded lecture, if you go back, it's going to answer the question that you asked. So one has to be thoughtful about how they approach teaching online. I've always said, and I, when, when I was uh, working on my PhD at the University of Iowa, I had the opportunity to take a brick and mortar class and convert it to an online class. And the thing that I experienced and the thing that I always convey to my teachers is that you cannot approach te teaching and learning in a brick and mortar context the same way that you approach teaching and learning in an online context. You can't just take the classroom and slop it online and expect it to work. And I think that this, you know, just thinking a little bit more broadly and that I promise I'll get back on track, um, this was one of the one of the struggles of a lot of teaching and learning going online in a short amount of time this past year, year and a half, uh, because teachers weren't ready to engage online. You can't just go online, you know, jump on Zoom and do everything in your classroom that you had you can't do everything that you had done in your classroom. You can't do it online. And so you have to think differently about teaching and learning. So anyway, teaching and learning online is different than teaching and learning in a brick and mortar classroom. And if we try to do online teaching in the classroom or classroom teaching online, we aren't going to serve well the scholars in either of those scenarios. So with that in mind, backing up then, asynchronous and synchronous, so asynchronous being not live and synchronous being live, those two aspects of teaching and learning online accomplish different purposes. With asynchronous, as we already said, you are the primary purpose and the primary function of asynchronous delivery is conveying information. Online learning is served very well by asynchronous delivery, but you can't think about the way that you teach. So my teachers, when they record lectures for their classes, they have to think about, okay, what questions, they have to anticipate the questions that their scholars will have as they put together their lectures. And so you can't just go into a classroom and 
sit in front of a group of students and record a lecture and assume that it's going to accomplish the same purpose as if you intentionally made that lecture for online scholars. Hopefully that's not uh, too broad brush and confusing. Bottom line, the asynchronous delivers content, the synchronous delivers socialization. So you can have online teaching and learning simply through asynchronous. But if you also want to have community, if you want to have relationships, if you want to have interaction, then you also need to have the asynchronous portion of things. And so in terms of how Wittenberg Academy has developed as a school, as a community, as an entity, as an institution, whatever words we want to use to describe Wittenberg Academy, that's probably one of the biggest differences in terms of how we serve the families that partner with Wittenberg Academy. When we first began, it was all asynchronous. And so there was a lot of interaction, but it, but none of it was live. Whereas now we are what I would call in the third iteration of, of Wittenberg Academy. So the first iteration, we were completely asynchronous. There was a lot of interaction, but none of it was live. So all of the interaction was through sending messages, emails, pre-recorded lectures, discussion boards, all of those sorts of things. The second iteration, we still had all of that asynchronous interaction, but we added to that live interaction in live chats once a week per class. And some of our teachers also uh, offer office hours during which time they can interact with their scholars live as well. So all of that, even though we've added the synchronous social part of things, all of that is still aimed at, geared toward driving at the academic side of things. Right, so we have relationships as we teach and learn asynchronously, synchronously. Now, Wittenberg Academy is what I would say now in its third iteration over the last 10 years, and that is we've added a wide variety of clubs. And so these are opportunities for scholars to interact with one another. Granted, a lot of it does end up being quote-unquote academic just because we like thinking and we like pondering and we like being curious and pondering the world God has given us and the circumstances in which we live this side of heaven. Yet at the same time, some of it is just for fun. And uh, so we have a variety of different clubs. We have uh, philosophy club, we have uh, chess club, we have 21st century inklings, we have strings into things, we have a Shakespeare troupe. Was book club the first club that we added? I believe so. I think that was the first club we ever um, started. And uh, we've been doing it for about five years now, I think. Okay. 
That's right. Yeah. So, so it started with book club and then I think scholars liked that, that kind of strictly social interaction outside of classes. I, I shouldn't say strictly social because there's certain, I mean, book club, there is uh, certainly an academic component to that, but outside of classes, extracurricular, and then from there, the club offerings just continued to grow. So that's been fun. But I would say that in terms of um, technology changes over the years, that asynchronous and synchronous component, that that's probably the biggest difference that families would have seen and that our teachers would have seen, uh, especially the teachers who have been with us all 10 years. Over the years, we've certainly uh, had to adapt and make changes to the companies with whom we contract for hosting various aspects of our teaching and learning support. But through it all, as I explained before, we've been very intentional about every technology decision we've made. Wittenberg Academy is not flashy. It's not you log in and there are all these happy clappy buttons and bouncings and all of these sorts of things to entertain scholars because that's not the point. And so the decisions that we have made have very much been driven by a desire to uphold rigorous academics for all scholars, regardless of, of circumstances. And so with that in mind, the fact that, that delivering, engaging in rigorous academics has been our priority, the decisions that we have made reflect that. So it won't be the flashy stuff that you might see in other online experiences, but that's because the purpose of other online experiences is not the same purpose that we have. And I think um, speaking more as a past student than as an administrator now, um, I think we don't need to be flashy because of the synchronous aspect. I mean, logging into class, yes, at first you're kind of like, okay, well, I'm just, I have to do all this homework and um, email my teacher and there doesn't seem to be any personal interaction. But then you get to live class and you make friends with your classmates and you join clubs like book club. I was in book club before, um, before I graduated. And I think being flashy with buttons and things like that isn't necessary for us because Wittenberg Academy really does have its own community and it doesn't need to be flashy because of that. Uh, yeah, it has, it has people, right? It has relationships, whereas the flashy is trying to compensate for lack of relationship or it's trying to uh, make you feel like you you know, because you're being entertained, you're happy. And so then you don't actually need people. But I think to your point that 
that synchronous part of things really affords scholars to have genuine relationships with one another. You know, that brings to mind a story from this year's, this past year's family retreat. There were a bunch of scholars who literally had never been together in the same room in person. That was a little bit redundant. Um, but, <laughs> but they they had never been in the same room with one another. They had been in live chats together. They had been in clubs together, etc. But they had never been in the same room. And someone commented to me, oh, did did those guys over there, did they grow up together? The way that they were interacting with one another, it seemed like they had known each other literally forever. And some of those scholars were first-year scholars. Some of them had been with Wittenberg Academy for several years, but none of them had seen each other in person before that very moment. And I think that's a testimony to a few things, but to your point that that synchronous interaction, even though it's online, does allow for and is a conduit for genuine relationships among teachers and scholars and between scholars themselves. But you have to be intentional, right? You can't just show up, be on camera, sign off. You know, you you have to engage um, just like in any other relationship. You know, if you just sit there like a bump on a log, you're not going to get anything out of the interaction. You know, it'll just be, it, it won't be an interaction. It'll just be you were taking up space at the same, <laughs> same time. All right. Well, here's another question for you. Why does Wittenberg Academy use such strange names for some of their classes? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Okay. So the overarching answer is that the names we are using are hearkening back to a previous epic in teaching and learning, right? So when we call our math classes quadrivium, right? And and for the record, we're not 100% pure in our use of these terms, right? Because if we called all of the classes quadrivium that actually are quadrivium, we'd also call music quadrivium, but then that would really throw people off. So, you know, maybe that's like a year 20 switch, right? <laughs> then we'll start calling our music classes quadrivium classes as well. But for right now, um, you know, the, the traditional classical liberal arts, you had um, the, um, the arts of language, so you had the trivium, and then you had the quadrivium. And so quadrivium deals with number. And so our math classes are called quadrivium A, B, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Because what it does is it connects scholars to the fact that if they do a little bit of study into what is the quadrivium, it 
allows them to see that numbers are not something that exists in isolation from anything else, right? So numbers are part of the whole in terms of being a well-educated human. And so hearkening back to that heritage allows scholars to view number in a different way than number is viewed today simply because through the name we are connecting them to the greater scope of the history of of teaching and learning back to a time when numbers and letters were seen as parts of a whole rather than as distinct entities and you were a man of letters or you were a man of numbers no it was you are a well-educated man so that's quadrivium um you will also see trivium on transcripts for example um, grammar logic and rhetoric classes fall under the category of trivium and again that comes from that connection to the classical liberal arts and so using those words using those terms again is a very good descriptor for what is being taught but also instead of just using a more commonly known term or commonly used term from today it's connecting our scholars and our teachers to a heritage that spans most of the scope of history you know until you got to what we sometimes refer to as the progressive era of education so we're hearkening back to when education when teaching and learning was viewed differently when the content that was learned was was understood differently in that regard another one is paideia that's that weird one that you look at all of those vowels and you wonder okay how am i supposed to pronounce that paideia is a greek word and it was uh, a word that was was used to refer to the education of the young right the education of of youth and so paideia refers to our courses that we teach literature history and theology in tandem because when it comes to understanding who we are and the world in which we live those content areas really help encompass and give foundation to the education of our young people. So that's that's paideia. Another one might be uh, progymnosmata or progymnosmata, and that is essentially the way that the ancient Greeks used to teach rhetoric. And so um, Wittenberg Academy has a rhetoric class, and that's kind of a capstone class that brings together a lot of the different skills 
and 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 other things that scholars have learned in their time at Wittenberg Academy and really focuses on oratory, right? So the spoken delivery, not to the neglect of written delivery, but uh, brings oratory to the fore as a capstone. So now you have something to say in in that vein of things um, as scholars are preparing to leave Wittenberg Academy and go out into the world. But progymnosmata is the ancient process of of teaching rhetoric, of getting to that point where a scholar is is wise and eloquent and has something to say. And so progymnosmata is more than a writing course, though primarily at Wittenberg Academy, that, that's our focus. That's how we interact with the progymnosmata. But really, it, as with all of the content that we are teaching at Wittenberg Academy, it is a really fantastic way to form scholars in their thinking, in uh, to form scholars in how they interact with the world, how they interact with their neighbor, and all of these things. You know, we talk about at Wittenberg Academy all the time the fact that we exist to aid parents in equipping their scholars to love and serve their neighbor, to be of service to their neighbor, this side of heaven. And ultimately, then, our goal is to see all of these young people in heaven. So quadrivium, paideia, trivium, progymnosmata, these are some of the kind of strange words that we use that set the tone for not only what we are teaching and how we are teaching, but also why we are teaching what we teach. I've had a few people also ask me about the strange term names uh, and where you came up with those, Michaelmas, Christmas, Easter, and then Trinity term. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So our term names, Michaelmas, Christmas, Easter, and Trinity, again, I'll give the overarching answer first, and then I'll dive a little bit deeper in that regard. So at Wittenberg Academy, we really strive to order our days by the church year rather than by the government calendar. So the the church year calendar rather than the federal government calendar. And in doing that, uh, we're trying to align ourselves with um, what the the church has done through all of time. You, you see this, this theme of connecting us to something larger than the circumstances in which we live that keeps coming up over and over. So in naming our terms as we do, that's yet another layer and another opportunity for our scholars to think of the the time, their days being ordered, not by the government and what it tells you to do, but by what God's people have done 
throughout time. And obviously, you know, we could get into the church calendar and how that's changed and all that kind of stuff. But just in terms of wanting to see ourselves in terms of, of eternity, um, but this side of heaven in the church militant, how have God's people conducted themselves? What has ordered their days and influenced the decisions that they make in terms of of what they do? So Michaelmas term is named after, it, it is the time uh, closest to the Feast of St. Michael and All Angels. And um, uh, St. Michael, uh, his name uh, means who is like God. So St. Michael and All Angels <clears throat> falls on September 29th each year, and Michaelmas term always occurs, it always begins in September. And so it is, um, it is named after that feast day, St. Michael and All Angels. Moving ahead then, Christmas term generally begins about the same time that Advent begins. And so in Christmas term, we see um, the celebration of the, the nativity. Um, and then that brings us, uh, then uh, Christmas term generally goes almost to the beginning of Lent. And so that brings us then to Easter term would be um uh usually about the beginning of march until the end of may and so we're we are in easter tide um and it also in, encompasses lent but having having that as as our focus um so Michaelmas term, Christmas term, and Easter term, that encompasses what's the the traditional academic year in that regard. But then we also have a summer term, which we call Trinity term, and that runs uh, the full uh, scope of, of summer, the 12 weeks in summer, and uh, that's during Trinity Tide. And it gets its name from Holy Trinity, uh, which um, the Feast of, of the Holy Trinity, and then we just carry that through so in terms of the church year, uh, liturgically, uh, that feast day, the liturgical color is is white, but then all of Trinity is, the, the season of Trinity, Trinity Tide, is green. And so uh, it's, it's interesting to think about all of these things in terms of how the seasons run, right? As as we are connected to the the good land that God has given us in terms of of it producing um, its fruits, and we being the beneficiaries of that, um, you know, the seasons run their course, and the church year. If you line those things up, there tends to be an ebb and flow, um, just like there is in agriculture, for existence, for for example. And so, ordering our days um, by the things that that God has given us is certainly uh, a blessing, and changes our perspective on on the year. Well, I think we'll definitely have to do a couple more of these episodes because I'm sure there are hundreds of behind the scene questions we could ask. Absolutely. Especially as we 
embark upon this 10th year of Wittenberg Academy, we'll make it a priority to have more of these episodes and share with our listeners some of the things that go on behind the scenes. And uh, if our listeners have any questions they would like us to address, uh, be sure to get a hold of us. You can check out uh, the Wittenberg Hour, our Facebook page. Uh, you can email uh, either Grace or, or me, and uh, we'll be sure to get as many questions into the mix for upcoming episodes. Our word worth repeating for episode 61 is order. It comes from the Latin ordo. According to Webster's 1828 dictionary, order means regular disposition or methodical arrangement of things. The dictionary goes on to say, Webster's 1828 dictionary goes on to say that this is a word, the word order is a word of extensive application as the order of troops or parade, the order of books in a library, the order of proceedings in a legislative assembly. Order is the life of business. And then this is under definition one. He ends with good order is the foundation of all good things. So when we think about order, We think about things being proper, about things being methodical, about things being consistent and dependable uh, and, and regular, that this is an established way of doing things, and it is not partial to the whims of the present. Order necessarily considers what has come before and what has made things proper and established. Our book worth reading for episode 61 is... Ordering Our Days in His Peace, an introduction to the Christian church year by Reverend H.R. Curtis. The book begins thus. God made everything we see. He made the land and the oceans and the stars in the sky. He made you. The Bible tells us that God made everything in the whole universe for the good of humanity his special and beloved creation. One of the things God made is time. Time helps us make sense of or order God's creation. Minutes and hours order our days. The days help us order our weeks and months, and the months give order to our years. Because we are creatures of time, we are born one day, then we grow in months and years until we die. Telling the time and knowing the order of things is important. We cannot understand our own lives or any event in human history without noting what happened when. We could never understand the story of the United States without knowing that the American Revolution came before the Civil War. 
We could never understand a story's end without first knowing its beginning and middle. The same is true with the church's story, the story of God's love for sinners in Jesus. This is the true story of just how much God loved the world, so much that he sent his son Jesus into human history as a human being. Preaching this gospel, telling the story of Jesus, is the church's purpose. Because it has a story to tell, and because that story has a beginning and an end, the church uses the church year to tell the story of our salvation. The Christian church year helps the church tell the story of Jesus in time, that is, in order. Well, on the surface, this book may appear to be a children's book. In reality, this book is a wonderful encouragement for any Christian who is wondering, at a very basic level, how might I order my days, not by the federal calendar, but by the church calendar, in the ways that the church has ordered her time for centuries and millennia. Thank you for joining us today for the Wittenberg Hour. Be sure to subscribe to the Wittenberg Hour so as to not miss an episode. If you would like to learn more about Wittenberg Academy, please visit our website at wittenbergacademy.org. You can like and follow Wittenberg Academy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us again next time on the Wittenberg Hour.